I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So welcome to another edition of Face to Face. I'm uh, joined today by a special guest, uh, and believe it or not, in Chiang Mai, on location uh, in Chiang Mai, uh, April, I was going to say it's May, but April uh, 2013 at a conference, and I'm sitting here with a, I would say a social entrepreneur by the name of uh, Xian Wu. He's uh, from Hong Kong, uh, 
educated at Stanford, but I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about his story. And he's got a pretty fascinating story. He's a designer, mechanical engineer, and a guy who was responsible for founding a company called Delight. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, so um, the listeners who have heard me before speak in the past, they can hear the uh, the, the 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 smile and the passion in my voice. Tell me a little bit uh, about your company, so I can uh, hope that some of my listeners can start uh, feeling the same way. Right. Tell me a little bit more about what you guys are doing. Uh, Delight Design makes solar lights, solar lanterns for people who live without electricity. Um, they usually live in off-grid areas. They might live in areas where you have some amount of grid, which is not really reliable. Um, the concept is really, really simple. Typically, these people burn kerosene uh, in their houses at night for their lighting needs. And it could be, you know, for anything from housework to cooking to kids who are, who are studying. And kerosene is is very bad for you. Um, you know, there's all kinds of respiratory diseases that you can have from burning kerosene. You can burn yourself, you can burn your house down, which has happened. And, um, you know, it releases a lot of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. So um, really, you, you take our lights, you put it out in the sun, you charge it uh, all day, and uh, you bring it in in the evening, and uh, you can use the light from, you know, anywhere from 4 to 8 to 16 hours, depending on the product that you have. And uh, it... It's a lot better quality light um, for kids to study by. Um, over and above like a kerosene lantern. Over a kerosene lantern, yeah. 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 Like you a know, broader, is, broader range of light or is it just a brighter light? Or? It's brighter and, and it is a brighter range uh, and it's a better quality. I mean, you know, with, with kerosene, is that really orangey glow that you have and right. it's flickering and it's moving around. But you have a steady, constant, um, you know, we, we use 5,000 to 6,000 Kelvin that around, which is which is meant to replicate uh, natural sunlight, natural daylight. And for um, the, the 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 village idiots in the room, what mm -hmm. is five thousand Kelvin? What does that equal? It's the color temperature uh, of the light, and you know, let's say five thousand five hundred Kelvin's would be about what you would get at a noonday sun. Oh, I see. Oh, oh, yeah. you mean from a charging perspective? No, 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 no. The the color temperature of the oh, LED of the wow. light. Oh, yeah. wow! Oh, so that's awesome. The color okay. of the light. You know, you have an incandescent is yellow. Yeah, or, yeah, sure. So that's like three thousand, two thousand. I see. Okay. And then you have a fluorescent. It tends to be six thousand, seven thousand. Right? <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. talking about this stuff like it's just you know everybody everybody knows this, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. great. So it was funny. I was reading a review online while I was doing some research about your product, and mm -hmm. and uh, this particular gentleman was, uh, you know, clearly a bit of a geek and a techie, and mm -hmm. commented about how how good your product was, and talked about the the quality of the LED light. And he said, "Don't be mistaken. This isn't like a lot of the other crappy models out there." <laughs> so yeah. so there is this sense of where LED just doesn't cut it, right? Right. But. but well, what we were fighting against before and what we, when we started this company, what we were trying to solve for was that a lot of these places in developing countries, in rural India, rural Africa, have exposure to LED lights or to, you know, battery powered lights. Um, but they're crappy. They're yeah. made in China, not well designed, made with a lot of uh, regrind plastic, which is plastic that would break the moment you drop it on the floor. Is that right? Eh? Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can buy for cheap, but you get what you pay for. Um, it'll break in a couple of weeks. And so they're used to that. This is their expectation. So really what we're trying to do is to say, no, we're going to treat our, our customers, our consumers as people who deserve 
good products, well-designed, well-thought-through products, which are manufactured well, have quality checks and quality control. And when you put in your hardened cash to buy it, uh, it's going to last you. And and so much so now that we say it'll last you. We, we warranty our products for two years, which is unheard of. Which is amazing for, yeah. for a product like this mm-hmm. in the Global mm-hmm. South. Now, you say, you know, crappy, and then you said made in China. Now, th- these products mm-hmm. are made in China, right? Mm-hmm. They are. Um, yeah, of course, you have to qualify that because you have... Apple products and Sony products, That's which right. are also made in China. Sure. So you can sure. have good products that are made in China, but there is this uh, made in China perception of course, yeah. in uh, Africa and India that anytime you say made in China, you say, ah, I don't want it. It's I'm garbage. not going to buy yeah. it. And yeah. you could go to them and say, you know, but my iPhone is made in China. You know, it's just kind of, it's beyond them, right? There's, a disconnect. there's already this entrenchment that anything made in China is bad. So we've gone a long way. I mean, Apple was probably the first one to address this. We say, oh, designed in California and then in small print, you know, made in China. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I think a lot of companies, including ours, have taken that lead on that. So when you and I bumped into each other at the in the buffet line at this mm-hmm. conference, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, you know, when you started talking to me about your, your company and what it was that you did, and I, you know, I've worked in international development for a few years now and I teach and so on. And I've certainly met a lot of social entrepreneurs and people who are, you know, trying to make a difference with products and so on and growing these types of philanthro capitalistic like businesses. Mm-hmm. And I imagined, well, you know, this guy, you know, they're struggling and they're just getting off the ground and they've got, you know, five or 10 employees. But mm-hmm. the reality is you're in over 40 countries. Mm-hmm. 100 employees mm-hmm. and and tell tell me a little bit more about your reach and the, and 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 yourself. Yeah, we've been um we we track um our metrics by um you know the number of lives impacted. Uh, in this conference we've been talking a lot about quadruple bottom line, right? Um let's see if we can remember the economic, social, environmental and the spiritual Bottom lines. Um, so, you so know, tri- for, tri- triple bottom lines, people, planet, profit. Right. Typically, right? Yeah, yeah, typically. And then, you know, because it is a Christian conference, we have a spiritual component to that as well. So I, I would say Delight, you know, has those first three. Um, the, um, and, and, and we, we measure, you know, the, the social part of it by the number of lives that we've impacted. Uh, we just celebrated. 10 million lives impacted and you know we have these metrics on the on the website i think yeah i've, I've actually can, can can i quote them for you yeah go ahead yeah 15 million 151,430 lives empowered 3 million 787,858 school age children reached with solar lighting yeah 339 million 337,435 dollars saved in energy related expenses Ooh. Uh, this is crazy. Four billion two hundred and thirty million four hundred eighty-five thousand. Anyone tired of the numbers yet? Uh, and seventy productive hours created for working and studying. Right. Seven hundred eighty-five thousand or so tons of CO two offset. And right. this is crazy. Eleven million in change yeah. kilowatt hours generated from renewable yeah. energy sources. Right. From I'm looking at one of these, and you'll be able to see them online. But I mean, mm-hmm. it looks like a uh, a cup with a, a, a solar chip on the top. It's really, mm-hmm. really quite incredible. I mean, those are crazy numbers. I mean, you know, uh, uh, development workers, uh, bilateral donors, mm-hmm. businessmen and women around the world. I mean, they must be excited by this. Oh, yeah. I think um, a lot of people are watching uh, what we're doing and where we're going with this and just kind of rooting for us as well, just to see that, you know, it's possible. It's possible to go out there and, um, make a profit while you're doing very good um, social change work and selling social products. And, you know, that was the, the heart of uh, how we started. You know, we started out of Stanford um, in the D school 
And um, the class we were, we were in was called Design for Extreme Affordability. Hmm. How do you be, uh, how might we be 10% of the world's designers that design for 90% of the world's poorest people instead of what you typically have, which is 90% of the world's designers designing for the world's richest 10%? Hang on. So yeah. explain, say that again. Uh, typically. How, how might we be, yeah, typically you have. 90% of your world's designers, product yes. designers, designing for 10% of the world's richest people. Right, okay. Uh, how might we be 10% of the world's designers designing for 90% of the world's poorest people? And when you say richest people, you mean people like you and I, really. You're not, yeah, you're not no, talking absolutely. about that 1%. You're talking about people who make a decent wage, who mm -hmm. can afford most items. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you own a computer, right. you're probably in that category. Right, right. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So flip it completely on its head, and yeah. how can we start the other way? Talk about a sort of a grassroots approach right out of the gate. Yeah, and I mean, there's 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 so much thought and 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 dialogue that's going on about this right now, right now. Fortunately, at the bottom of the pyramid, right? You treat the the billions of people on this planet who you know aren't as as rich as you know that ten percent as customers as. People who have spending power, as people who have the ability to buy and pay for your products, they don't have as much money, but they are consumers. They are people who can vote with their dollar, in a sense. So we believe fundamentally that, you know, by treating them as our customers, um, we're giving them dignity, right? It's, it's, it's a form of justice, actually, that, you know, you're not going to get the handouts, you're not going to get the, the crappy leftovers. Uh, we're going to treat you as... The people that we, we think about all day long, that we're designing for, and people that we just want to make kick-ass products for. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's what's kind of blown me away is your price points are, are kind of ridiculous. I mean, mm -hmm. your first, your entry-level light's $8.95, and that's retail. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I could buy it for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then your next one up is, what, $15.95 or $13.95, yeah. and then, then about $40, bucks, mm -hmm. which is like the high-end model, which mm -hmm. you can actually also charge a cell phone off of. Right. From solar power. Right, right, yeah. And it's un it's actually pretty <laughs> unbelievable. It's um, I don't know how you've done it so cheaply. I guess it gets into uh, economies of scale and, 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 and quantities, I suppose, manufactured. Yeah, I think we started uh, right from the beginning with this um, kind of militant mindset huh. um, to get costs out. Because if you don't, you know... If you don't really go into every single component, every part of the product, and say, "How can I squeeze out every penny of this?" Uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll just never be able to do it. Um, I think the traditional approach is you know, you come in there and um, it's a bit you know they, they've created products. There have been solar products that have existed for for a couple of decades before us, right? But they've way over designed, right? They, they're made by NGOs, um, you know. They, they make all kinds of assumptions of how much light is actually needed and therefore you need this size solar panel and you come in there with a $100 product. Right. And nobody's going to afford that, right? Nobody can afford that. So we've come in with a different kind of mindset. What is, you know, it's not going to be the brightest light. If you're living in a first world, this is not going to replace what you have in your house. But what do they need, right? If I'm sitting right next to this light and doing my homework, is there sufficient light for yeah. us? Yeah. And, yeah. and we found that this, you know, you well, design to that, right, instead of over did you do? Did you do any kind of needs assessment before you started uh, building the product? Did you go into some of these rural communities? Mm -hmm. I, I read somewhere, and it might have been on your site, that that the way, the, the genesis for the, 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 the project for the, was uh, a trip to Myanmar, and, mm -hmm. and you saw children using candles. Yeah, right. Uh, not kerosene, but candles. Mm -hmm. And... and 
that was sort of where you guys said, hey, we, we need to make a difference here. Yeah. The, the mindset that we come from is um, sort of this Stanford design thinking, you know, slash IDEO mindset, which is uh, what we call need finding. Um, and you employ user empathy, right? Where you have to go and you know, walk a mile in the user's shoes, um, go and observe them and um, to be with them and to talk to them and to, to see if what they say and what they do actually matches up. And, um, and is, that, is that, uh, Chan, is that from um, a consumer perspective? It's entirely from a consumer's perspective because mm-hmm. from a development perspective or a consultant who might work in capacity building, they'd say it would be incre- appreciative inquiry. I'm, I'm mm. going to go into a community. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to the men and the women and the boys and the girls. And yep. then I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, I'm not going to just go to the men because yeah. that would be troubling and or yeah, yeah, problematic yeah, yeah. for so many reasons, cross-culturally. Right. But through appreciative inquiry, a lot of questions, a lot of listening, we're going to come away. So same sort of thing, but from a consumer's perspective. Yeah. What would you buy? What would you use? Right. Well, use, is that what user em- empathy would be? It would be. I mean, I think the, the design approach here is um, uh, we always talk about prototyping. So, you know, having something in their hands, uh, you know, you could go and observe and say, okay, they are using kerosene lanterns right now and how do they use them and da 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 But, and then giving them a, a prototype, right? Something that, that you, you just, you know, you put together for a few dollars that you think might be representative of a, of a good alternative for them. And you put it in their hands and you see, ah, okay, well, is there, a, is there an aha moment there, right? Is there a, something that, that immediately, like, wow, they just start doing differently because they have this new thing. Um, and then we talk about iterating, right? If, if maybe it's just a little bit off, could you just tweak that uh, a little bit and, and have that iterative product, uh, process in there? I think the big part of the Stanford design approach is the willingness to fail. Hmm. Um, when you have a prototype that fails and you know why it fails, then you can learn from that. I think too often we're like, oh, you know, you have to go in there with the perfect thing. Uh, but no, you're never going to get it right the first time. It's okay to go in there and fail, but learn from those failures. How many how many models did you go through before you came up with the one sitting on the coffee table here now? Oh well, these are our later products. Um, the original ones uh, that we had, we had two different prototypes that we first met to Myanmar with. Uh, you know, and we tried those out, and then we later on, once we got funding, you know, we launched one, and then we changed it, and then we changed it again. Oh, probably. This the the S three hundred would be in probably about its eighth or ninth iteration. Wow! From what wow. we first started out with. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've studied any philosophy or read any Pascal, but his father was an accountant, mm. and he they designed the Pascaline. Have you heard of the Pascaline? No, no. Well, you got to punch it up on the net. It's this fast. Okay. You'd love it as a mechanical it's engineer. Great. It's this fascinating. It's the first calculator, first computer, basically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think they went through sixty different designs before uh-huh. they actually came. This is like in the around the time of Descartes, for heaven's sake, 1640, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you guys started uh, and in eight, eight basically iterations later, uh, you came up with this uh, version here. So um, are you the brains in the group? Is that, you, you know, you, you, you described yourself as not being the sales guy. You're the mechanical engineer. You're the guy with the, uh, the drawings, the dimensions, yeah. the, the electrical side, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, I want to say I'll put it on that umbrella of like product design, mechanical engineer by training, you know, um, I, you know, worked with, worked on the, the industrial designs for our earliest products, um, then the mechanical designs, and then moved to China to get it into production and do the manufacturing for that. And then did a lot of the, the project program management from then on. So, I mean, it's, it's a startup, right? So yeah, I have a yeah. 
very wide range of things that I did. Oh, including our first website, not to mention, uh, and the wow. IT for the office. Wow. So it's, you know, I wear many different hats. Um, since we've gotten to 100 people, I've really just hunkered down and started to focus more on the product design. And uh, to continue on, you know, this need finding user research, um, trying to figure out, okay, what, what else can we be working on? So you're, you're looking at other products. You're oh, yeah, yeah, other yeah ideas. of course, yeah. 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 Oh, hey. Let's. Speaking of design and products, mm. I got. We got to go back to the the the. Uh, there's a little uh, 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 point of contact on the side of one of these lights that I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. It looks like a little jack that you would put into an iPod or something along those lines, but it's smaller than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this. Uh, to tell me about this little uh, connector. It was meant. I think you mentioned it was meant to be charged as well off of a, a cell phone. Yeah. 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 So all all three of these uh, products have a. Uh, Little 0.5 mm charger, which you can charge with a Nokia phone charger. Typically, it's the same model that you would get um, in the middle of Africa or in the middle of India. Um, you know, the the cell phone industry has been actually really, really booming in these areas. And um, Nokia, for uh, a while, was the, the market leader. Yes. Uh, they've got plenty of competition now. because I know the phone. I think I can yeah. hear the ring. Yeah. I remember coming to Singapore for the first time and seeing all these young kids with Nokia phones. Right, right. And they were really nice size, too. And they had this very distinctive ring to them. And every now and then, you still hear them in a lobby of a hotel yeah. or in, in yeah. an airport. But you're probably right. It's probably shifted a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, it's, in, it's in developing countries, in developing India and Africa, it's still that same phone. Uh, they still use that charger. And so, you know, these lights, if... Um, if you have some amount of grid availability to grid or nearbyness of grid, you can go there and charge them instead of relying just purely on solar. And, and by grid, you just mean access to an outlet that's giving you yeah. fairly clean electricity for right. any given amount. Of time. Or a generator. I mean, some a people generator? are generators. Yeah. 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 So I, I want to talk to you a little bit about a, a project that I was involved in and still am in Cambodia, Lavia mm-hmm. M District, and, and uh, this organization called Asian Outreach had built a maternity clinic there. And one of the problems was uh, they were finding that uh, women, maternal health care workers living in the jungle, uh, you know, 10, what is it, 8, 10, 12 hours a day would be accessible because of light. And then um, ultimately you couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it would mortality rates were going up as a result of this. So uh, they again, couldn't find the clinics. Couldn't find the clinic, which oh. really was like a hut. Oh. Is, you know, Mrs. So and So lived in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. I could get to her eight or ten hours a day because I could see where she was. But because I didn't have, you know, a, a flashlight or whatever or, the case or might Google be. Maps. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, I couldn't get there. And so it was adding a whole other level of uh, complexity. So a Japanese company came in, NGO, I think, and they ended up installing solar panels on mm. the top with a with a light that just sat outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think it would be, and I don't know the numbers, but it would have been a pretty expensive application. It sounds like this is the kind of thing that, you know, you hang two of those from the side of a village hut. You could easily see that from a from a distance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially in pitch darkness. I mean, light just goes, it just like pierces right through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I love about the light is, um, I mean, I, I do have to tell you, going forward, I'm going to be looking for ways of using your product, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. so you know. And I'm going to be telling everybody about it. But I'm going to unscrew it again here. And when I looked at it, when I first opened it up, um, I asked you the question about where's the light? Yeah. You know, it's just so simple. It's, 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 it's insane, actually, to me, from a creative perspective and a design perspective. I know nothing about it. But there's this little square. It looks like a piece of tape. A couple of millimeters across, a couple of millimeters. It's not even a light bulb. Yeah. It's amazing. So, so, I mean, were you guys responsible for actually creating any of this technology yourselves? Or was this just taking things that were already out there Mm -hmm. and and bringing them together? 
we we took things um, that were out there, and also, I think right when we started around two thousand six, two thousand and seven. I mean, really, was this inflection point of you know the cost of LEDs was coming way down and the efficiencies were going way up, and and same for the solar panels as well. And we really just hit it right at that at that sweet spot where um, just putting it all together in a very well thought through way, which which I think really just hit it out of the park. Is um, what, what's your opinion on solar technology? I mean, is it going to save us uh, to some degree? Is it going to save the environment? I remember somebody saying that you know to, to charge a certain part of the states, you would have to cover all of Texas with solar right. panels. Yeah, <laughs> sounds a little unreasonable to me. Yeah, what, is it getting better? Uh, it is getting better. There are a lot of uh, very very smart people in the world working on you know improving the efficiencies um, such that you know you could have more energy coming out of a smaller amount of area and different ways of applying that. I think it's going to be, as far as, you know, all of clean tech is concerned, it's going to be a combination of a bunch of different very creative ideas and ways of, of solving it. You, when you say a combination, you mean like wind power and solar power kind of from a clean power? Yeah. yeah. Like wind and solar or, you know, biofuels. Or... Yeah, it's not going to be an either or right. approach. So tell me a little bit more about um, the, the genesis, the, the, the start of this idea. You got this small group of guys studying at Stanford, you're all in the same class. Yep. And uh, yeah. Can you unpack the history of it a little bit for me? I'm, I'm fascinated by how it started. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's, it's awesome. You know, where, where does the, so the trip, the Myanmar, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, obviously you had a real serious passion and commitment and focus as well that, that a lot of, I was going to say a lot of people lack, but um, I don't know that they necessarily lack it. I just sometimes wonder if they haven't uncovered it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were, um, there were five founders, uh, our classmates at Stanford. And, um, we, you know, we had this class, we came up with this, this very same idea or very similar to it, right? Which is, um, replacing kerosene lanterns with cheap, affordable light and, uh, at, at a very low cost. Um, the model would be sell lots and lots of them at a low cost. And that's how you make your money. Um, very simple and the class ended you know we went off to do our, our summer jobs um, and we came back in, in the fall and you know we met up I still remember sitting on the Stanford quad and just thinking hey you guys want to you know you guys want to take this forward right you want to we think we have something going here some potential and we all say yeah you know let's let's try it out so you know we all had to still continue with our classes and um and still, you know, trying to be doing this on the side, which was, was very, very difficult. Um, and I was the first one to graduate uh, at the end of that year. I think it's the end of 2006. Um, I went to this uh, Christian missions conference called Urbana in 2006. And I was really struggling, right? And I was like, should I go and get a real job, you know, at Google or Apple or whatever? Or should I keep on plugging at the startup? And keeping in mind, I was an international student, right? So I only had, I think it was nine months that I could stay in the country before they, they kicked me out. Right. And um, I remember God saying to me very clearly, "Is like, you know, you should do this. I mean, this is very close to my heart, to God's heart, right? For, for doing something which is justice, which is helping people's lives, especially the poor. So 
Uh, I kept plugging on from there. I, I, so it was a, it, at this conference, there was an epiphany there of a sort, yeah. would you say? Yeah. Was it, did it come out of just a conversation or was it kind of a moment? I think it was a process of, yeah, of just so. talking yeah. with a bunch of different people. I think often those kind of, those spiritual moments are, yeah. right? They're, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I find sometimes traveling can, you know, meeting different people and yeah. that cross-cultural stuff. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're about to be kicked out by the U.S. government? Well, no, not quite yet, but... uh <laughs> So I remember from then on, I was spending about um, 12 to 16 hours a day in our uh, in our Stanford lab, right? Our um, product realization lab, we call it, where you have to mill in the lathe. And I was using, I was doing a lot of uh, vacuum forming. Um, so you're actually building it. I'm building these prototypes. You're not just drawing it and thinking about it. Well, you're you, actually... You do that first and then you yeah. build it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Later on, okay. yeah. Okay. And um, the prototypes I made out of that, you know, we use both for Myanmar for, to continue our need finding. And also, um, my my business partners uh, went to go and raise funds with that. And it was through that that uh, we won a business plan competition called the Draper Fisher Jurvetson competition. Sorry, the what? DFJ Draper Fisher Jurvetson. Is that Bill is Draper? Uh, that's not Ashoka Foundation, is it? No, no, no. It's, uh, no, that's Drayton. That's Bill Drayton. Yeah, I think. Oh, venture capital. Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, we ended up winning that competition, which you know we were. Um, finalists with a bunch of some really, really amazing startup ideas. And we ended up winning, which was really unexpected. Uh, we won $250,000. Wow. Okay. And from there, all the other VCs started to, to take notice. Um, again, I think we were at another inflection point, which was people were just starting to get into social enterprise. It's like, yep. okay, social yep. enterprise is, is cool. It's um, it's not just about profit, right? Um, it's environmental, it's, it's clean tech. And so Delight had all of those things. We had all of those things there from the beginning. And I think that's what made it quite attractive. So we got venture capital funding. And then from there, we were able to start up. I was able to get a visa, stay in the country. And, um, and, and yeah, start seriously building the product, right? I start starting to design parts for injection molding and, uh, you know, PCBs, printed circuit boards, and and then you know by the end of that year, two thousand and seven, we looked around and said, you know, what are we still doing in California? I mean, this, you know, our market is in India, is in Africa. Uh, our manufacturing, we we looked at manufacturing in the U.S. and at that time it just didn't make um, monetary sense because again, every penny um, is is important for a consumer because. Sure. They earn a dollar to two to three dollars a day, right? I mean, it's so important, or less in or many, less, many yeah. cases. So we said, no, let's let's go to China. So I, at the end of that year, I moved to to Shenzhen, China, to start up the manufacturing operations there, and uh, yeah, and I've been there ever since. So I, f I still find the whole creative process fascinating. Were, out of five guys, were there any of you that were a little more uh, in line with the social entrepreneurship kind of uh, social justice, we're going to change the world approach versus no, the hell with that. I just want to make a lot of money. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I mean, I think we're all completely on board with the mission. And that's the one thing that you know really united us from the beginning. It's, it's such a simple, powerful idea. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. you can make money and help people at the same time i think i think you're absolutely right and i think there's a um i think there's a 
still, uh, I think we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. with that understanding mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. that business mm-hmm. can actually, uh, take that on, um, uh, and, and make a difference in a really positive way. There, uh, this notion of philanthropic capitalism and corporate social responsibility and so mm-hmm. on, I think in some ways is already dying out. I think there's a whole new, uh, approach and that's, uh, people are starting to now talk in, in the field of, of the conservation economy. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that phrase. Yeah, and what does that mean? It's well, it just means I think it means it's a little bit more holistic. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more comprehensive to say it's not. This isn't. I think I think CSR has been uh, um, demonized almost at, from a greenwashing perspective. Hmm. So companies have come in and said, "Hey, we're going to do this because it looks good, yeah, yeah, yeah. not because right. it's the right thing to do, not mm-hmm. because we're actually trying to change the world, but well, we might do a little bit of that along the way, and that would be great. Mm-hmm. That'd be an unexpected outcome. Our real outcome is to look better in the sight of our shareholders. You know, that whole Milton Friedman-like approach, the social right. responsibility of business is to increase profits, yeah. and I think that's slowly shifting. And so I've added an, uh, another word: the notion of a restorative conservation economy. Mm-hmm. That that they're that that we're looking at everything." It's not either or, it's inclusive. There's this embrace and, and it sounds kind of corny, I suppose, uh, and, and tree huggish, I suppose, in some levels, but, but I think there's a shift occurring and, and, and I'm encouraged by that. Um, you've got a, speaking of social entrepreneurship and, and, and conservation economy and so on, you also have, a, you know, we've got this socially relevant business, but mm-hmm. you've also got an, a program called Give Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I noticed uh, on your site that you've got you know, some projects in Benin, uh, Burkina Faso. I was there a couple of years ago. Wonderful mm. place. Kenya, I've been to Kenya, Uganda, Timor-Leste. Mm-hmm. So um, can you talk a little bit about that as well and how that's playing out? Is that, uh, I noticed in Kenya, it looked like kind of like a Kiva approach almost. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. was a group there looking for amount of money to invest and they're going to start selling these lamps to support girls' education. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that right? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm not very up to date with what they're doing on that. Okay. Um, I know... Um, it has traditionally been a, a thing where we partner with NGOs. Oh, okay. uh, there are a lot of areas where, you know, the market economy, right, is it's not really going to work just because... Or, or at least not yet. Yeah, just because they're really just that poor. And um, so as much as we, we try to have this mantra of like not giving anything away and, and selling it, I mean, there, there are just as, you know, there are a lot of legitimate reasons why you have... Uh, handouts and NGOs and you know think, working right, in like medical right. areas and stuff. So yeah, of course, yeah. in some of these areas, yeah. It's well, just the reality about... is, I mean, the communities I'm thinking of using this in. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm on my way to Cambodia in a couple yeah. of days. I mean, we're talking about thirty-five and forty cents a day mm-hmm. wage, and mm-hmm. even a fifteen-dollar product, you know, could take them eighteen months right. to, or more, or longer. Yeah, to save up the money for a fifteen-dollar product, which right. you know is insane for us to sort of. Yeah. get our head around that but when you're taking 35 cents a day and using that to live on and to buy maybe clean water and so on yeah it's pretty troubling yeah, so tough, yeah. so so how does it work so ngo comes alongside sells it for three bucks and subsidizes the the rest of the, the yeah is that- you could do um you know a subsidy approach uh, you could do a sort of financing approach yeah where you know you have to pay some amount up front and then you pay the rest back over some amount of time and do you have people internally that are working on those kind of plans and approaches? Yeah. Yes. Oh, you do, eh? Yeah, so yeah, you're, we, are we you do. actively seeking them out or is it, are people out and nonprofits out or NGOs out? Or is it more that they're coming to you and saying, hey, we've heard about your product? It's probably a combination of both. I mean, we have, uh, I think we have one lady who's full-time in DC who really, you know, has all these connections with these sort of NGOs doing this sort of work. Wow. That's, that's amazing. 
Um, so what's what's next? Uh, what what are you guys working on? Can you can you talk, <laughs> can you talk about it? Unfortunately, not. But um, I mean, there's there's so much that's happening uh, in in these areas, and we we really. Uh, like you said, you know, we are seen as a market leader in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't take that for granted because we have a lot of competitors coming out and they're making some really, really good products. Uh, and it's it's a good thing uh, because, you know, we're barely just scratching the surface of the, the market potential for these products. And, you know, the competition keeps us honest. Um, but we don't want to rest on our laurels and just say, okay, three products and a truth. And then we, right. just, that's what, isn't done, that right? you too? Isn't that you too? Three, three chords. And the yeah, truth. Yeah, isn't that what they the say? Truth. Yeah. So, um, we, we really want to stay at the forefront, um, of these, the, the products and the opportunities that are there and continue innovating and making sure that we're ahead of the curve. Um, just before we wrap up, I, uh, I, I want to know when the solar-powered BlackBerry is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you leave your BlackBerry in the sun That's true. for 12 yeah. hours? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, maybe maybe it's got to be you know maybe 15 minute charge. Put it on the put it on the dashboard of my car, and yeah. by the time I get to my meeting, it's charged. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so uh, one thing that I didn't clarify, you know, I'm I'm about to quote your uh, your I guess your chairman Sam Goldman. Is that right? Uh, no, well, Sam, Sam is one of our founders. founders? He was the CEO and oh, okay. uh, um, he's kind of a marketing role. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I want to quote him in a second, but he talks, he talks about the, the thinking. So actually let's go to the quote, quote, mm-hmm. the passion and the design thinking initially forged at the D school continue to drive the culture and mission of delight. That's Sam Goldman. Solar lighting quote is the, just the beginning. We see ourselves as a provider of renewable energy in the developing world and will continue to expand our product solutions and distribution networks mm-hmm. in the coming years, close quote. The D school, was that your own nickname for it or was that the design school at Stanford? This is the design school. Um, this was already the name. I mean, started by uh, David Kelly from IDO. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a bit of a lofty goal, it seems to me, mm-hmm. uh, Sam. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but it sounds to me, based on just you know getting to know you just a little bit in the the last day and just you know over these forty minutes, I, I think you guys clearly have a, a passion that I just hope some of our listeners resonate with. And I mean, you know, I, I have eighty students that I teach every year at international international development, and I always say uh, when we're looking at something like results based management and the log frame, which is incredibly difficult and complicated and just wordy and hard to write and i mm-hmm. said guys one or two of you are going to go on to rewrite how this is actually done mm. and i've had students come to me and say that that's they find that kind of invigorating and you know it's it's oh, i love the fact david that you kind of believe in us and mm-hmm. whether or not they're actually going to do it is is you know unclear but i think maintaining that sense of passion and drive is so important and it seems to me you you've, you your company has kept it but you certainly have kept it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. Uh, it's it's really 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 hard work um, because you know you're you're working in areas just that just don't have that infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, and the things that you would be used to in a, in a fully developed country, and so it just requires a lot of perseverance, a lot of determination, a lot of passion. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said that uh, if if our reach doesn't exceed our grasp, then what's a heaven for? Mm. It sounds like you guys have kind of taken that that approach, and I think that's uh, that's awesome. Thank you for um, uh, joining us here today on Face to Face. And uh, do you want to just give us your website? Is it delight.com? Yeah, delightdesign.com. Uh, delight is spelled D-L-I-G-H-T. Design.com, no space, no dash. 
check them out on the web. Uh, we'll definitely have a link on our site. And thanks for joining us here in Chiang Mai with Xian Wu and uh, your lovely and talented host. Talk to you soon.